0: Hello and welcome to a special edition of Running Inside Out Podcast. You see that, uh, that special music means it's a special episode. See that? Special. Different. Episode. Got it. In this special episode, we have Medved's third installment of Voices from the Trail. Mort Nace and Medved once again gathered a distinguished panel of runners, assembled an interested community, and provided a comfortable space for many stories to be told. Mort brought the community together for an evening of sharing, the passion, and the joy that comes from being a runner out in the woods. After a uh, brief introduction by Mort, a panel of seven voices, Mitch Ball, Matt Smythe, Sharon Radak, Joe Packard, Jamie Hobbs, and Sarah Kyes, and, and these these folks uh, on the panel are champs in more ways than one. Specifically, they even, uh, and the audience, tolerated some silly questions from me and uh, managed to share some funny and heartfelt stories. They treated us to tales of real-life adventures uh, and uh, imagination and uh, just appreciation and joy, for the woods and the outdoors, uh, that really kept us all wrapped with attention well into the night. I was honored to be asked to participate in the discussion again and have the ability to record it and share it with all of you. I hope you enjoy it. And with that, let's get into the trails, training, food, friends, and feelings from the trail.
1: I know what I'd like to welcome everyone to Medved Running Walking. I am Mort Nace general manager of the shop, and I welcome you all. One of the greatest things about tonight is bringing the, so much of the trail running community together. Many of you are friends of mine, and I see a lot of faces I also don't know, and I welcome you. Um, but this is I will, a favorite evening, as always, to bring everybody together um, with the intent of sharing a lot of stories, a, a conversation not only shared by the panel, but hopefully you guys will also uh, take part Um and hopefully just get you inspired for the season to come. Our Thursday night trail runs start a week from today. Magellan is in the audience. Dan, as always, will lead you through uh, the area parks. And uh, trail racing is coming up. Uh, A little business, uh, we'll promote that. We've added an August version of our Medved Madness to our May Madness that is coming up, and we're excited to launch that. Um, For those of you who don't know, I am also one-fifth of Goose Adventure Racing, Two of my partners are here, um, Tim Howland and Rob Feisner. Those two are the race directors for the Ontario Ontario Summit Trail Races in May. Looking forward to that. It'll be our third annual out there. Um, Some other guests have to recognize. Chris uh, O'Brien is here, Running Inside Out podcast. Chris is going to help me moderate this. Chris, grateful for your help in pulling this off. Dave Kessler is going to help share us a little video. Scott McGee is here, a Twisted Branch race director as well. Uh, but welcome to everybody uh, enjoy the next hour hour and a half as these guys share their story of trail running beyond they're willing to answer questions about training but this is going to be so much more about just stories and we'll see where it goes from there uh so yeah i'd like to introduce these guys um, so grateful they're willing to share their evening uh, i'm going to lead off with jamie hobbs jamie you'll often find on the podium of area trail races he's been goosed a few times Currently training for his first hundred miler. Uh, Which one are you doing, Jamie? Massanutten. Massanutten, down Vermont, uh, Virginia. Tough, tough race. Um, Coming up too quickly.
2: (laughs) 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 First weekend in May. Yeah.
1: All right. And then next, I've got Mitch Ball. Funny thing about Mitch is that his response to me inviting him to this thing is that he felt, I feel far less accomplished than those on the panel. Well, I'm going to counter with a three-time Ironman finisher, three-time Boston uh, finisher, and a road cyclist, which may not sound like a trail runner, but he lists Mega Transect, uh, Manitou's Revenge as two of his favorite races. He did Frozen Snot in January. If anybody knows what that is, that's as gnarly as it comes. And he's run rim to rim to rim in the Grand Canyon. So I think that's a pretty solid set of accomplishments. Mitch, thanks for coming out tonight.
3: Thank you.
1: Sarah Kies from Saranac Lake. Thanks for coming out, Sarah. Sarah recently finished fourth at the World Snowshoe Racing Championships in her hometown.
0: That's right. That's right.
1: (laughs) (laughs) She's also the 2016 U.S. Skyrunning Ultra Distance Champion and Vertical Kilometer Champion. Women's FKT of the Great Range Traverse, which I have a lot of respect for since I've done that. And her blog is Wildness Essential. That in itself says a lot about wildness. She's got this plan, two-month plan to do this race in California. I think it's called Western States,
4: <laughs> <laughs>
1: as well as Speedgo, and she's taking a run, runcation trip to UTMB. So pretty solid set of goals. Looking forward to hearing more about that. Sarah, mm-hmm. thanks for coming out. Yeah.
5: Can I have to follow that? <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, then Sharon Radak is here. <laughs> Sharon calls Bristol Mountain and Stid Hill, her backyard. She lives down that way. She trains on them. She runs them. She rides her mountain bike on them, races her mountain bike on them. She skis. She ice climbs. Uh, I invited Sharon here because I know she's up for just about anything. And Sharon, thank you for coming out. Joe Packard. Joe's uh, been a longtime customer, a guy I trust for his opinion on a lot of the gear that we sell, pick his brain for what's working for him. He's a 10-time finisher of the Can Lakes 50. Granted, that's a road race, but a long, tough road race. And I don't know of anyone who gets faster, gets older. His top three times are his last, his three most recent races, all in his 50s, with a PR of 829-42. Counts our six-hour snowshoe race is one of his favorite events, too. Joe, thanks for coming out. Lastly, we've got Matt Smythe here, fishing poet. Um, before I go further with introduction here, I'd like to show his video, Give Me Trails, because that, I think, does more to introduce Matt than anything that I could possibly say. Give Me Trails.
6: Needled, whisper paths through the pines and their sharp jabs and busted spokes and whorls at shoulder, hip, head height. Tangled, close-crowded paths through gullies and shadowed low places, the willow swing of thornbrush gripping my shins, forearms, and biceps. Glorious, muddy stretches that try to swallow my feet alive. Give me sudden right-turn uphills and skittish, greasy downhills and roots like backbones of some long-gone earthen civilization rising if only to keep me paying attention. Give me wipeouts and grit in my teeth, sweat salt in my eyes. Give me deer that don't hear me coming or going, fox that go on about their meandering way, geese, woodpecker, hawk, jay, blackbird give me trails. I run solo, but I'm not alone. It's in my blood, my Blackfoot ancestry. I feel them running with me, and the hair on my neck and forearm stands on end. I hear them in the wind off the lake, and in the song of leaf branches overhead. I was given endurance and two legs that respond when I say go. I was not given excuses. I run because I can and carry everything on these two feet and shoulders until I carry nothing. I run to honor these trails because they have my respect. There's no machine stride in me, just my heart and will in these woods. Here I am, mortal. Here I will live forever, native. Here I outrun my heart and scramble from insane to sane. Here I am honest and unflinching and vulnerable. I run toward pain. Through it, from it. I run heartbroken and hopeless and swearing into the hungry green. I run whole and happy and singing into the hungry green. I run thirsty, my tongue tasting like copper and blood in a life that is alive. Alive. I am alive. Give me trails so that I can run.
1: Wow. Matt is obviously a writer. but he's also a veteran, an outdoorsman, husband and father of three, who ranked some college cross country with hopes of running in Montana later this summer. Matt, thanks for coming out. Thank you. Before we lead off to the first question, I do apologize for uh, also recognizing that Trails Rock is here. Thank you guys for always supporting what we do.
4: Um,
1: but I'd like to lead off the panel with a similar question to what I did last year because I always am curious about what inspired people. How did they find the Trails? So if each one of you would take a moment just to share where did the magic start, what brought you to tonight, what are your earliest memories of falling in love with running off-road? can start with anyone.
7: I may have one of the older ones then. Uh, uh, July 1977. Uh, I was looking for a sport to do. Uh, didn't really want to play football. And... Uh, I was at Catholic school, as a matter of fact. Getting ready for a graduating class of 68 eventually, big school. And uh, Coles Woods in Glens Falls, New York, was the first set of trails I ever ran. And I remember thinking running 2.3 miles or 3.1 was going to be absolutely crazy. Well,
5: I'll go next since I'm sitting next door. <laughs> so I am from a family of runners, um, road runners and track runners, and but I never really was a runner. I became a swimmer instead. And then into um, my late teens and 20s, historically I was a backpacker and I had the great fortune to live in Lake Tahoe for a couple of years and in Vermont for four years and just did every weekend and long you know, long trips of backpacking, so I fell in love with the woods that way, and came back to New York in my 30s to um, raise my family, and I got heavily involved in triathlon, too, and um, did some Ironmans, and a lot of, ha- you know, a couple of Ironmans, and lo- and lots of half Ironmans, and did Boston, and Boston Marathon, and and I found all of my training started to be on a trail (laughs) like i trained my the whole my boston marathon i trained all on trail and i realized that is where my then all my biking was starting to be on trail so i realized my love was on trail so i started to do some off-road triathlons and then just really moved into off-road um running and um lots of different races and events so so historically backpacking that's where i found my love of the of the woods and the trails, and it's led me to running, and now I do a lot of just running and hiking and running and hiking. So it's all good. It gets me to the end of the end of the road somewhere, way or another. <laughs> Shall we go in order?
8: Sure. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I grew up in Saranac Lake, actually, and grew up canoeing, canoe camping, hiking. Was not competitive. Did not really run until probably like after graduating high school um I did an AmeriCorps program and part of it was physical training you know so we would run like 15 minutes and there was a group of us that lived together like 10 of us eight nine of us and so I quickly realized like if I would go run by myself I could get an hour alone that's like okay (laughs) go to go run um and so when I returned back to Saranac Lake area I was like well I could just run the trails and I could hike you know and I'd run and cover so much more ground you know by running them um, and it just kinda grew from there it's uh, it's what, what I love to do you know being out there for sure that's, yeah. uh,
2: I, I grew up in uh, town just on the edge of the northern Catskills and um, I like some of the other people here had a family that was runners my dad was a, a marathoner and he ran some 50s uh, and one of his early races was the Escarpment Trail Run. Um, and I would, as a kid, go out and work some of the aid stations, hike in water up on the top of Blackhead. So I grew up knowing that you know, people ran in mountains and on crazy rocky courses and stuff like that. And I did it a little bit, but it never really took... I was more interested in backpacking and more interested in rock climbing. And um, <clears throat> I think my dad thought I was crazy rock climbing, and I thought he was... Uh, you know, just running was kind of not enough, and then eventually I, I kind of realized that he was probably right, that I was crazy, and that it was <laughs> better to go running,
4: so. Uh,
6: I grew up in Canandaigua, born and raised, and um, I grew up pretty much in the woods. Um, I, my dad, um, we grew up in a hunting family, and so I always grew up right around with my dad bow hunting and things like that and I, I fell in love I became very very comfortable in the woods from a very young age and um even though it it scared the it scared the hell out of me to walk in in the dark by myself as a 12 year old um my dad would go one way and he'd say we'll see you later and I'd walk this way and then I could get maybe 20 yards and then I usually would hunker down by a tree and wait for daylight <laughs> instead of getting to where I needed to go um but the uh i had run a lot like the the Gene Mitchell 5Ks and stuff in Canandaigua uh when i was little and and enjoyed them a lot i first discovered running trails at FLCC running for Jack Coons and Bruce Bridgman um that was my first time ever running trails and with the being competitive and um i i just remember that it was so much more fun and interesting than running on roads because, you know, you just, you have to pay attention Um, and uh, even though you get lost when you're out there, you just, you know let everything go, you still have to pay attention to mind your toes Mm
4: -hmm. but
6: uh, um, but yeah, that's where I actually was taking a break from lacrosse it was the off season, I was trying to stay in shape and I wasn't good enough for the soccer team so I went out for cross country and Bridgman had coached my dad in high school he was the strength and speed coach at Canandaigua for football and uh so he would yell my name and when my dad would come and listen he would come and watch and he'd hear him yell come on Smythe and he says it brought back all sorts of bad memories <laughs> <laughs> anyway.
3: so this is um maybe a, a not too interesting story and maybe a meandering story but uh I would say I first fell in love with running when I was a, a kid, you know, real young. Uh I think back uh see I fell out of love with running for a long time and I, I'm being distracted. I fell out of I fell out of love with running for a long time um in my 20s and so I think back to when I was a kid and uh my mom would kick us out there's five of us. My mom would kick us out of the house and she'd lock the door behind us. Grew up in Palmyra, you know, which is uh east of here, about, I don't know, 30 minutes. And she'd kick us out of the house, and we'd be out in the woods and the cornfields and running around. And I remember we'd have competitions to see who could run the furthest barefoot on, like, the gravel, you know. So we'd be running <laughs> everywhere with be barefoot. You know, we'd we, we get called home for dinner, essentially. And so, you know, I always loved running as a kid. Uh, my dad is uh, from uh, Lincoln, Maine, and so we used to go up to Maine in the summers and spend... 4 weeks up there and we would just be going up Mount Katahdin and running through the woods. We'd have to go and fetch water and pails cuz it was a cabin with no running water, so it'd be a mile out. You know, you'd get grab two uh milk jugs full of water and run them back on the dirt road and uh you know, I also think about my dad taking us up in the Adirondacks and we'd just go up and down mountains, you know, and he just we we we'd sprint ahead and you know, we might not see him for an hour. He'd come trudging behind us. Um so, yeah, that's really, you know, I think back to that and being a kid and how much I loved running. Then, uh, you know, move forward to high school. Um, I ran in high school. Um, then I ran a year of college. And really I fell out of love with running. I felt like it was too much pressure. You know, I really, when I'm out running, it's I'm, I'm not doing it for other people. Maybe it's my Roman Catholic background and trying, you know, the guilt of not um, meeting people's approval in races if I have a bad race. But really... I think about now I I fell in love again. Um, So I took like 10 years off after that one year of college running. And I came back to it and I uh, started on uh, the the Dirt Cheap Race series and I was chasing this guy with dreadlocks. You know, he... he uh you know he inspired me i'm like i gotta beat that that first race that guy with dreadlocks beat me i'm like that guy with dreadlocks can't beat me again and so really that's when i i fell in love with trail racing again when uh when i was chasing mike weldon down the trail but uh there's <laughs> a, a lot shout of, out Mike.
0: a lot of people fall in love when they're behind mike weldon
3: <laughs> well for various reasons <laughs>
0: So that's uh that's a that's a nice brief you know like if you were reading the top paragraph of the story of why why you're all here um and when I asked mort I asked him you know what was your inspiration and you guys pretty much covered it all so like mort thought we were going to go to 8 and we're all done um, so
4: <laughs>
0: so I was waiting for the first wise ass so um, <laughs> So one of the things we're talking about are our, our love of trails, but um, some of you are very competitive and balancing competitive and expectations versus freedom and love and balance and nature and all that other soft stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Mr. Hobbs, how do you deal with the expectation of how you think you should perform versus what gets you out into the woods?
2: I, I don't know. I mean, I, I try to reconcile those two things sometimes because I, I think about why I run, and it's, I mean, I always question why I'm running these like 60 mile and you know 50 mile races and stuff like that because there's a bit of low points in them and suffering involved in them. And uh, when I think about it, I think of the two things that I like. One of the reasons I like running these long races is to get out there and and cross a big chunk of of um, the landscape uh, see a wild place um or a rural place or something like that and see lots of scenery and really feel immersed in it and then the other part I mean I'm there I go to race and to compete and I sit there and I stress about who's ahead of me and who might be catching up to me and so forth and I'm like why how did I fit these two things together why you know I don't know I mean I just when I'm training I just I do a lot of my running on my own and then I just try to enjoy being out there then and, and not worrying about the competition then, but then racing's a, a different thing, I guess. I mean, maybe that's how I, yeah. I reconcile them.
0: What about you, Sarah?
8: I was going to say, I struggle with that internally a lot also. It's like the pressure can definitely take away from the passion, you know? It's like, yeah, you know, why do we do what we do? And I think um, I try to focus more on the journey and, like, Having, like, this tonight is a wonderful thing. I'm so happy to be here and that my running has brought me here. Um, And, like, the race is just, like, you know, it's not a finish line. It's just another thing, you know.
0: But Um, at the same time, like, crossing those finish lines before everybody else.
8: (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah. I mean, it feels really good to be rewarded for your hard work, you know. Um, And for, you know, knowing what you yourself have put into it, not necessarily, like, comparing it to other
4: Mm people's right
0: yeah and i wonder
4: what that's like
0: (laughs) yeah and and joe like mort said you're getting you're getting faster every year and you're are you measuring sort of your running accomplishments by getting better every year at can lakes
7: so i guess when i when i do these kind of races i look at it for my own time because i'm a middle packer i'm not uh you know a frontline person um a great example. the cast a shadow, I think it was this year and then last year, when you get the sock as the age group winner. I always wonder was I the only one in that age group? Or? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I you know, the reason I the reason I compete is um, to be able to put I have a wickedly stressful job. i you know, as again I got off a plane this morning and uh, I spent a lot of time on the road and it's a good way to, to de stress. Um, trail running is a good contact sport because I'm always falling and tripping and coming back with <laughs> scratches and everything. But it's, a, you know, it's the chance to say, hey, I finished the race, so that bib I got, it's okay for me to hang it on the wall. Or that, that shirt that I just collected, I can wear this out in public now because I actually did the race.
3: So. And I like to call that the, um, the connection-disconnection dichotomy. You, know, you want to be connected sometimes, but other times you just want to be left I won't use the word alone. And, uh, you know, that's what I like about being out there is, you know, there's, it's you. And as long as you don't bring your cell phone, nobody can get a hold of you, you know, those stressful jobs.
0: And, Matt, obviously we see you, you go out there to sort of be in the n- nature. Do you find, like, do you find the desire to want to go compete occasionally?
6: Every, every once in a great while. Um, I tried the Battle at Bristol last year, and signed up for the ultra. And uh, yeah. I hit a very distinct wall at 14 and a half miles. So that it's a, it's a terrible course.
4: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
6: but I, I guess I, I'm able to reconcile by not really entering too much. I, you know, I go and run, and for me, it's it's I'm very competitive, but I like just challenging me. So. Mm to see, you know, I have this in, in Boughton Park in, over in Victor. I've got this, um, there's two figure eights, or it's a, a single figure eight, but if you run it in both directions, it's roughly nine miles. And I, for a long time last year, I would try to see how much faster and faster I could finish on my own. Um, and you just, you know, you, you sort of get into a groove, and then, you know, I get gassed, and I'm like, well, I'm not really doing this for anything other than so you you sort of lose sight of okay well the faster i go the less i see the less i'm paying attention you know Mm -hmm. so for me it's um now it's it's just trying to get out more consistently and trying to run for a length of time that you would for like any you know like any class or workout or something like that and running for that length of time it doesn't matter if it's a really fast pace or if it's you know you know mid-range but just paying attention to stuff that that the poem, the narrative was, I mean, that was nine weeks in my head, nine weeks of just getting out every other day, running the same trails, and it, it's just stuff that I notice and connections that I made. And when I sat down um, to write it, when it finally was sort of complete in my head, I sat down and it all came out at once, boom. Mm-hmm. And I sent it to a friend of mine uh, who's a cinematist, the one who shot it, and he said, I, we're going back tomorrow. And we'll go and we'll shoot. So we went back and shot it. So that for me, it's there's plenty of competition within myself. You know, every now and again, I'll you know get out and try to compete against others. And it's not even for necessarily stacking up as much as it's just yeah, it's great. I just to finish is fantastic. So,
0: so Sharon, he just he was talking smack about your mountain just a second ago
5: it's it's tough isn't it? <laughs> oh yeah i didn't do that race but it is it's, you know i climb up bristol mountain a lot i i'm uh, i'm up and down that it it's literally pretty much almost across the street from where i live so i yeah. can go up and down there any time I want to, which
0: is really nice. Any any time she wants to, she goes up oh, and
5: down, <laughs> up oh, yeah. oh, and down. Well, and I do
0: too in the winter, but I'm usually taking the lift
6: up.
4: <laughs> I lo-
6: I absolutely love it. I just that. Yeah, that that was a tough one. Yeah, that was a tough. One. So
0: so yeah, you have Bristol in your backyard. Mm-hmm. Um, what what's that like?
5: <laughs> it's. It's great. I, I literally can go, you know, walk outside and within a couple, you know, I can be on the trails and whether it's from on my bike or running, I can be on the trails pretty much instantaneously. I really can't imagine within the area where we live and it's, it, every place is beautiful. I know there's lots of parks in Rochester, but I just can't imagine living anywhere else because I have this beautiful access to all the hills where i live and that's where i am every single day pretty much so lake yeah.
2: tahoe seems like it'd be pretty nice though lake tahoe yeah, is pretty nice <laughs> yeah
5: yeah. <laughs> yeah that was a nice place to live <laughs> a lifetime ago so sarah
0: you have the you have the same thing you have the mountains right out your back door
5: yeah um i mean having the high
8: peaks right there is pretty amazing mm-hmm. um yeah it, it's i find that i continually like i've you know, driven cross country multiple times. I've traveled quite a bit, and always seem to end up back there. Yeah. You know, there's it's, there's something special about the Adirondacks in general, but yeah, that area for sure. Well,
0: I think we all end up back there too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
8: yeah. So
0: it's funny when we uh, the snowshoe championships. Yeah. Um, we had I I could count at least 15 people, probably 10 of which are in this room that went up for the Saranac snowshoe yeah. championships. Yeah. And it was a chance to be up in the mountains and to like, you know, um be around other people in the mountains and still doing your own thing, but everybody shares kind of that same idea.
8: Yeah, it's um you know, Lake Placid has a lot of tourism. Saranac Lake is certainly more like the working man's town, which is nice, you know, the community there is uh I mean there's great community in Lake Placid too, don't get me wrong. Um a little tighter I feel like in Saranac Lake though. Um And mountain towns, I find, yeah, that, you know, you're in the outdoors, you know, you're surrounded by it, and hopefully you can absorb some of that, um... But and that weekend was kind of special, you know. That was a good weekend, that snowshoe weekend.
9: But Could I yeah. just take a moment and give a shout out to the people of Saranac? Yes, it was present. Just in case you didn't know, <laughs> the snowshoe world snowshoe championship yeah. happened to be on a Saturday when it hit sixty. It degrees It was probably sixty mm-hmm. degrees. Yeah, we so were all About sixty percent of the four K course was actually snow. Mm-hmm. About eighty five percent, they actually tracked in the snow. They shovelled in. They mm-hmm. had people yeah. along the course. Shoveling snow back as we're all running. Grandmothers to like yes. little kids, I mean, it was really like very cool. Course yeah. And supporting you, yeah. and it's a small town. Yeah. I don't know how you guys pull it up, but thank you. That was really amazing experience. <laughs> sure, <yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome.
8: No, I, um, yeah, it's a good place to be. I mean, if you haven't been up to like Placid or Santa Clara, certainly try to get up there. It's not that long of a drive. I just made it today. It's not bad. <laughs> um, and yeah, it's definitely it's a good place.
0: Good place to be. But um, Olga's comments and the reason why Mort is having this speak to those two things. Mm-hmm. It's the outdoors and yeah. the the community, mm-hmm. you know, of people coming together and helping each other out and you're not asking like how much money somebody makes or what they do for yes. a living or what their political leanings are or anything. You're just in this community doing things. And I wonder, Joe, as you were talking about you have this crazy job and you got all this crazy stress Is that something that you look forward to is like just a bunch of people running?
7: Um, To me, a bunch of people running that's not stressful is like two, maybe (laughs) maybe three. (laughs) Um, So I end up finding a lot of places on the road to run um, or people will say, uh, and my wife is really good at this, she'll say, you need to go run before we have a discussion so i you know i find that wherever i like wherever i go to to work i get the same kind of thing i last week i was in seattle the, this part of the week i was in uh colorado springs so i got to run and garden again and uh it, it is a case of you know if people know you're a trail runner mm-hmm. they may send somebody out with you to say hey here's a here's a race, or you know here's a road go go run this here's a trail go run this so
5: Yeah, the community is, I mean, when when the original question, what, you know, made you love the trails, Mm -hmm. and I enjoyed my, you know, the community when I was doing triathlons, but I really enjoyed the community, the uh, the trail community. I think that's what ultimately, too, you know, and and also loving the trails, Mm -hmm. of course, but the community of trail runners, I just, it's amazing. Really fun, supportive Wonderful people, for sure. Love it. And I don't get to see as much of it as I used to because I'm not competing as much as I used to, and my life has changed a lot in the last couple of years. So I'm not competing as much, and I'm not running with people as much. But um, I kind of miss that community. When I come, I haven't been up here in a while, and I come up here and I'm like, oh, these people I haven't seen in so long. It's wonderful. Yeah.
6: It's an interesting point about balancing life, though. I mean, there's a lot of things that. I mean, for me, with I can't imagine training for a hundred. Like, I mean, I I was like, I I'd, I'd love to run one. I'd love to do Western States. I'd love to you know do something that's that gigantic. But by the same token, it's like okay, well, there's only 24 hours in the day. <laughs> um, I really like to fish. I've got three kids. Um, they're in sports, and I, I mean, there's a lot of things. So yeah, finding that balance is it is it's tough
4: yeah,
3: yeah. Well, i think yeah, Jamie, a little bit oh, you can get <laughs> go, go ahead Mitch i was going to say that i was thinking about that today i wonder what i would do with all the extra time mm. i'd have if i didn't do any running <laughs> i was let, up at 4:30 this morning you know to get my 7 mile run and then i'm thinking, let,
0: let me tell you you wouldn't get up at 4:30 in the morning
4: <laughs>
2: I look around my house and I see all the projects that I would do if I wasn't running. <laughs>
4: running.
3: <laughs> yeah, that's well, true. I have wife that won't learning. allow those projects to be left undone, so uh, yeah. I have to find time for those, yeah.
0: too. So, um, Matt, one of the, you. so the busy family life and the, the running is uh, obviously the creativity – uh, do you find your creativity in running, or does uh, does the creativity come and you go? I got to go run and get this get this writing out of me, or how does that work for you?
6: I think it's anything outdoors, anything outdoors. It's it, just to be outside with the dogs, or if it is running, hunting, skiing, you know, anything like that. It, that's where that's where connections just get made. Um, I just recently started back. Full time after uh, and at an ad agency after six years of being independent, and um, it was fantastic being independent because I got to spend a ton of time outside because so I played a lot of hooky. But um, <laughs> but I also found that being back full time now gives me it, it sort of gives me that stone to, sh- to sharpen the axe against um, because I I did find after a certain amount of time. While I could get out and run a lot more, or could get out and fish and do different things like that, the tough part is is actually translating that creativity and that energy into something that's productive,
4: mm-hmm.
6: into something that where you're fighting the inertia of just, eh, well, I really don't have anything to do today, so I can kind of you know hang out or just you know whatever. It, it being purposeful, you know, this this really starts to hone. It brings it back mm-hmm. towards. I got a, a reason to. And a a place for that creativity to.
0: Right. And and so like now running is sort of like a job in a way. No, no,
6: no, no, no. It's still very enjoyable, but I, you know, I do have to. I got to fit it in certain spots now, where Mm
0: -hmm. I used to just put a bunch of things off, and I would,
4: you know, go for a long time.
0: Does Does anybody else find creativity when they're out running? Is there Is there some sort of something pop in your brain? Is there a reason why? you might go out there and you might have the aha moment while you're out running
7: for me that's constant right Um, you know if I'm running roads roads can be really mindless so you can just it's like a point and shoot and you can think about a bunch of different things and if you need to exercise your mind differently and you go run trails your viewpoint is at two to three feet in front of you so it's a different kind of creativity right Um,
8: I was going to say no cause, <laughs> because of that. Like, I, I like running trail because I don't have to think about anything else except the trail, you know.
5: It's uh, the meditation, yeah, right? I because so I'm, you can't yeah. think about much yeah. else when you're, you know, so focused on everything. Yeah. But at the same um, time, there's times where I think about everything and kind of get all those thoughts that are jumbled in your head mm-hmm. out. Mm-hmm. And then there's times you think about absolutely nothing. Those are the times that are yep. best. Yeah. Yep. <laughs>
2: yeah. The only thing I have uh, to, to think about. I mean, I, I work. I have to write for work, and so I have to construct arguments and, and think about how to deal mm-hmm. with cases and so forth. And uh, if I think about it uh, on, while I'm running, I, I get stressed that I'm not there and yeah. doing it. So mm-hmm. I just put all that aside. And that's one of the things I love about being out there is just I'm not. It's time where I'm just not going to be thinking about it. Maybe there's wheels spinning that below the conscious level or something mm-hmm. like that, but. <laughs> I try to keep it out.
3: I've kind of changed the way I think about running too over time. And so I just try to treat it as a mindfulness practice. Mm-hmm. And so yep. a lot of times, if I see something beautiful, like before, it would just be like, this is something I need to get done. I need to get this run done. Mm-hmm. I'll stop and, and appreciate whatever it is that I noticed. Mm-hmm. You know, I might see some ducks on a pond or something, and I'll just stop and sit down on the trail and,
5: yeah.
3: and yep. watch.
5: Exactly. You know, versus. Love that.
3: Because typically, you know, or what I used to do is just think about everything all the time, and it's just is, its too much. You know, you got to put mm-hmm. it away and be mindful in the moment.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: See, I probably run slow enough that I don't have to stop.
5: Sound <laughs> 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 <not> like it.
3: <laughs> so
7: there might
5: I... be something to
3: run running slower. It?
7: Run so slow. Medved was one of the one of the trips we had, or one of the runs we had in. Uh, mountain pond and i remember people were flying by one of the hills and uh, i remember thinking what 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 is on this hill that everybody's you know (laughs) flying by like pointing down and looking at it and i'm like bopping along at my normal pace and it was a snapping turtle and it was really cool because i had enough time to come up on it really slow (laughs) that past it really slow and then see it a couple more times.
0: You just got. You just said you came up on a turtle. <laughs> <Slowly>. <laughs> it,
7: was, it, was just, it was there. It was just, yeah. just saying, uh, it wasn't in my age group,
4: though.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it still had a couple of years to yeah. go, right?
4: Thank you. <laughs>
0: but I, you know, I I asked that question specifically because I think about Matt out there working making mm-hmm. this film mm-hmm. and and I'm thinking like okay okay run by there one more time run by there one more time you know mm-hmm. and so I was like uh, feel work pl- balance and then you know you guys answered the whole work balance thing but you went into this meditation and mindfulness and mm-hmm. and peacefulness and we've all been in some of the same races together and some of the same courses and we bring 150 people together and we talk about community and camaraderie, and then we talk okay. about being alone. And, you know, Mitch used a bunch of really fancy words to, he said dichotomy and stuff. <laughs> um, but is that. <laughs> a quasi dichotomy? I don't know exactly what's going on. But there's a there's a balance there right and and we're talking about balance all the time and um so now we're talking about stories we've asked a lot of questions but stories what was the time when you were you had to bail on a run and you were out in a place and you had to like and put the brakes on it and it really kind of rained on your parade Never. Great. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> There's been so
3: many times it's like trying to pick which one to talk about. <laughs> oh, okay. I'd say uh one for me was last year was Manitou's Revenge. You know, where my I was having some health issues, um and uh it was kind of there was a referred pain issue into my back and so, you know, I think I and and then I went off course, but that's besides the point. But that was probably the hardest um, you know, decision I had to make, and that was the first race I ever um, DNF'd. Uh, but it literally brought me to tears, which, mm. you know, it's probably the first time I've cried in about 15 years. Wow. So um, that's how disappointing it was for me because, you know, you do all of this work, and it's hundreds and hundreds of hours of your time and energy, and you put so much thought into it and emotion that you know, when you have to make that decision to pull out of a race and your back is seizing up and, you know, you're just you're miserable, you know and so I think that that was that was a tough one to pull out mm-hmm. of thanks for sharing Mitch.
8: <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I was going to say, I have not dnf enough to race but in training runs I've certainly pulled the plug when I've been like there, there's a fine line of like being responsible, especially like coming up on like spring training in the high peaks. It can be pretty dangerous, you know, depending on the conditions and the ice, and if I have the right gear. Or, you know, I'm the only nobody knows where I am. You know, things like that, and so you have to like you know check yourself sometimes and say, okay, wait, I'm you know I shouldn't go up Mart- Mount Marcy today at four in the afternoon, you know, like, <laughs> you have to take responsibility sometimes and not let it all, you know, I guess, yeah, Yeah, Which is a and, kind of different subject, I guess. Well, so. no, and, and maybe
0: it's broad in general, but I mean, where, you know, this could be a high highfalutin, you know, everything is great and, you know, the clouds and sunshine, mm-hmm. but there's struggles and there's things to sort of deal with and there's times when it, you know, your parade gets rained on. Maybe maybe for some people that, you know, that they don't consider it being rained down because they're still out in nature. And I thought somebody was going to be like, no, even my bad runs in the woods were awesome, <laughs> you, know.
8: you know. I like to tell people, like, nobody likes to say the first, like, mile or two always kind of sucks, like, <laughs> right? Like, you yeah, it, so know, it's not I mean, always good. Like, yeah. sometimes it's like, oh, this is, like, not my day today, you know. But by the end of it, typically, you know, I come around. But, yeah, it's not always Unicorns and rainbows, <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> really isn't sometimes. But wow,
3: well,
7: never, never having DNF'd. Wow, yeah. I haven't. Yeah. I can give you some of mine. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think one of my one of my goofiest ones that um, that I didn't realize. And we talk about, you know, you guys talk about the the big races that you're in and the long races that you're in and. uh I ran, uh, tried to run Finger Lakes 50s for the first time down in Hector, and uh, it was a really, really hot day. It was, you know, breaking 92 degrees, high humidity, and um, I didn't think I was doing too bad. And they, you know, in the pre-race briefing, they had talked to us about um, be careful when you get out in the open. You're gonna, you know, you'll see the cow pies. Don't leave the fence open. You're gonna be by the, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And I remember thinking. I'm going to have a great day. This is, you know, I've trained in heat and I've been running in Florida and all that kind of stuff. And it was like 13 miles in and I'm coming into the aid station. I remember telling them, it's really hot. You guys said something about pies. Oh, and that's a really cool yellow car. So they gave me some ice and, you know, get you ready to go. (laughs) And then I get to the next aid station and I said the same thing. You guys said something about pies and there's ice and, there's a really cool yellow car here. And the same people at the last aid station had a really cool yellow car too. And they said, um, it's time to get off the race course.
2: <laughs> I, I was thinking about my like training runs where things don't go as planned or something like that. I'd say that I was trying to come up with one where I've had to pull the plug in the sense that it's gone so badly like that. But 90% of my runs... I don't have a lot of expectations for the run, I'd say, you know, and I don't even have a set plan of what I'm going to do. I might kind of have an idea, but it's, I let it, I adjust my expectations on the fly in the first few miles or something like that. Mm -hmm. And so, and then I make it up later, you know, if I wanted to get to a certain number of miles in a week, I make it up later in the week or something like that, figure it out. There are some that are key runs and I want to do well, but I can't think of too many where they've gone horribly. I have had a couple DNFs that were... Uh, one was at uh, the Mendon 50K, and i got to say I was pretty, pretty happy to DNF that day because <laughs> I didn't want to run the last two loops. <laughs> so, uh, especially because I had just caught up to Mike, another Mike Weldon story, and he was then starting to pull back <laughs> away from me. And then my knee started to hurt, and I thought it was a better idea to stop, and I just thought, I'm not going to catch back up to Mike, and it's going to be, you know...
3: Embarrassing and not fun. <laughs> so I better just quit now. So Mike embarrassed you into dropping out of a race. <laughs> what I made up this excuse about my knee. Okay. What I'm saying.
0: All right, so we went we went to a dark place. We'll go we'll go back to a happy place now. Um, it, we'll do the old if you could snap your fingers and end up outdoors somewhere, where would it be? And we'll start with Sharon.
5: Well, in terms of a race, if I could snap my fingers and be back at a certain race, it'd probably be the Transalpine in Europe that goes from um, Germany to Italy Mm -hmm. over the Alps, over eight days, and definitely um, the most challenging, um, but... By far, if I could get dropped off anywhere again, it would be right there. It was, like, the most amazing eight days. Really hard, and you're out there every day. You know, the longest day, I think, was 28 miles, and the other, I think, the shortest day was, like, 18 or something like that. And, it, um, you know, you're dealing with so many different things, but... uh, in hindsight, every second of it was amazing. So I'd probably drop myself off back there. <laughs>
0: when did you go? When were you? When did you go there?
5: That was um, th- what year? Thirteen, two thousand thirteen, like four years ago. You did? I did it with a, a, a partner. You have to have two. It's a two-person team. You stay together the whole time. But um, that was by far my favorite running experience that I've had. angel. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Anybody else already transported back to their place? Matt, <laughs> you can see it. Right? Yeah, <laughs> uh, probably in the
6: um, the Bridger Range, in Bozeman, Montana. Um, I, uh, I I want to be able to run that. We've got a twenty miler there along the spine of the the ridge, and uh, that's one that I want to. One that I do want to actually train for and get to. Um, and if not up there, then in one of the rivers down below.
4: <laughs> All right.
2: I'm going to go with a faraway location too, because uh, the most recent run I've done that's not kind of somewhere I can drive to is at uh, Zane Gray and uh, the Mogian Rim in uh, Arizona. And it's just so different than, than what we see here. And I've been thinking more and more about it and wanting to go back sometime. Um, I had a lot of fun there. I didn't do as well as I think I could do on another day. Um, but part of me, I, I guess I have two conflicting thoughts about it. Part of me would want to go back and just enjoy it more and enjoy the scenery. And part of me would like to go back and to see if I could run a faster time. So I don't know which one <laughs> would prevail on the day. We'll see. One
3: sold out i think isn't it (laughs) and i would say uh you know i it's not a place but more of a feeling or an emotion Mm is i want to be transported back to when i was a kid in Mm -hmm. northern maine you know lincoln maine and Mm -hmm. millinocket maine just being in the woods and like i said my parents used to just kick us out of the house just carefree the feeling is carefree i guess and so it's not so much the location and that's you know, something that I would like to do again. Well, I try to do when I do run in the woods alone is be transported back to the feeling of not having anything to worry about. I wish I said that. (laughs) <laughs>
4: yeah. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> I like that Chris, instinct. can you
3: edit the uh, recording a little bit? I think you said a lot more than that in that video. <laughs> a
4: lot more
8: meaningful for sure. Yeah, I've been. I was trying to come up with a place. I mean, I've run a lot of places um, out west, and I'm going to be going to do this big tour and running new places, which is exciting. But I yeah, I get what you're saying. Like, that's the feeling, you know. It's like the. Uh, the endorphins and whatnot, too, but, like, yeah, I mean, I can have that feeling on top of Algonquin or, right, like mm-hmm. an Oregon, you know, it's, and It's it, yeah.
3: awe, you know, it's a mm-hmm. sense of awe when you mm-hmm. see things that you yeah. haven't seen yeah. before, you're mm-hmm. like, oh.
8: But there's also pretty. something
5: special about... Knowing a place so well and still finding new things,
8: you
5: know, too. And still finding pleasure, too, just even if you don't see new things, just finding that pleasure. I mean, I do the same things day after day after day, and I really never lose pleasure in them, Mm -hmm. ever.
3: (laughs) I mean, they do a lot of writing on it, too, like Born to Run, you know, where it talks about, and I look at my daughter, you know, when she's doing movements, you know, they're very natural. You know, she doesn't bend at the hip. She squats down to pick things up. Mm -hmm. You know, it's the same thing when you're a kid, you're just... You're natural, you know. You're, I, I don't know. You're unencumbered. Sorry, I'm not trying to use so. <laughs> that one. That one's okay. That one's okay. Uh, but you know, there's there's you're, you're just your natural you. You know, your 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 baby self. You know, and and you have that sense of awe when you see things. You know, and we, we lose that. I, I feel like I've lost it anyway. You know, my sense of awe when I see things, and I'm like, wow, that's beautiful, you know, and I think you need to continue to try and embrace that, and being out in nature is mm-hmm. for sure one way to yes. do that.
7: Mm-hmm.
0: Joe, did you, did you have a place that you went while all these people were talking? Uh, yes, yeah, so
7: I guess I'm thinking backwards and forwards as well because retirement is not that far down the road for me, and uh, when people ask where we're going to retire, we're actually going to move to Maine. We're uh, looking Go at north. We're uh, we're looking at moving, so there's reason for this. We're looking at moving uh, out to Phippsburg, which is on the peninsula just far from mm-hmm. Bath. Mm-hmm. And the reason we were targeting that, don't laugh, is because once you get further north of that, the hospital care gets less and less reliable. So we figure at least with Bath, you're close enough to... Get a hospital. Well, I mean, um,
3: you got to think of well, these Lincoln things. Lincoln has a right? hospital. Uh, my father was born there. So,
7: you know, we look at it. as soon as we cross the river into Maine, over that bridge, and you open the windows, it's just such a relaxing feeling, and you feel exactly the opposite when you're coming back from that. So, anytime we kick around and go run in Maine, mm-hmm. you, you just get that wide open feeling of, of it, and it's different just because it's it's just a different feeling.
3: Yeah, Good place to time. retire to, hard place to uh, to live, just yeah. from a you know economy standpoint.
0: I feel that way crossing crossing from New York into Vermont. You know, mm-hmm. as yep. you're as you're leaving New New York <clears throat> through like Fort Ann and everything, you see those last couple billboards, and you're like, goodbye billboards. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and then you're in Vermont, and all the billboards disappear. You know. Yeah. Suddenly, you're you, automatically you're more peaceful. You know? mm-hmm. um, so another thing is, uh, along with this, is friendships, right? And you, this, this is really ultimately um, community and friendships. And there's some lifelong trail friends here that met running through the woods. And I think each one of you sort of just had a person sort of flicker in your mind, um, so, could one of you share sort of your your trail friend or
3: a friendship that developed out of the trails? Well, I want to. I, I, I'd start by making this comment. I, I wonder if they could create an app or something where you could, um, you slow know, put your running break. your running profile on there and be like, okay, I'm a I'm a talkative runner. I like to talk. The whole time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a quiet runner. You know, like you could. I like to make I make funny jokes the whole time while I run. Or no, st- I'm real philosophical when I run. You could like pick your running partner depending on S- uh, swipe you know, your right. mood. No, I'm not in the mood for philosophical.
0: Swipe right to run with Mitch. <laughs>
3: but
0: so anybody anybody looking for friends, <laughs> I don't have
4: any.
1: I, mean, I can
4: contribute to that one. Oh, excuse me. Uh, I
8: was just going to say, my—I mean, my best trail friend is my dog, for sure. Um, uh, yeah, I've certainly made a lot of like human friendships <laughs> out there <Is> <laughs> um, yeah. But I mean, yeah, she's the best, you know.
2: So not talkative.
8: <laughs> not talkative. Not looking for talkative partner. <laughs> she There's pushes me, no you <laughs>
4: You go fast cover lots <laughs> yeah. of miles doesn't yeah. say much <laughs> it doesn't but. say much yeah.
0: <laughs> <But> <laughs> and you don't have to call them out by person if they're in the room but you know <laughs> it, the idea of of that so Mort, you had one to to share
1: yeah 25 years ago we hired this scrawny kid from RET named tim Rutowski, who three years later suggested that we should run this trail marathon in colorado pikes, pikes peak marathon and we have since run together multiple times, and most people know that he then we teamed up to perform goose adventure racing, and I know most people in this room because of Tibertowski, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. and we've gone to dances with dirt together, pikes, um, quite a few number, quite a few other events, adventure racing now. Um, so mm-hmm. that's been a pretty, very, very special thing. Um, but,
0: but at first was it that way?
1: Yeah, <laughs> we Yeah, it's we, Tim. Wait, yeah, it's, it's Tim. Uh, he's an acquired taste, but uh, um, now Tim's Tim and I. We've all we've connected from the beginning. You know, he's not a sympathetic, sympathetic character. He introduced me to mountain biking by taking me to high tour. And a lot of people in this room know what hiking is all about. And so I took my bike for a walk that day. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's been great. And, you know, we continue to test each other's limits with Rob and Holland and some other friends in this room. And, um, but, yeah, if there's there's one person I can identify, and it, working together, but then pikes came up, said, okay. And then that itself going back several times. So.
3: Yeah, and I have one like that, too, and um James Brennan, you know James uh, we met in our graduate and then our postgraduate program we were in at, at Brockport at the time, and um he told me he's like oh, i I do running and I do triathlon, you should come out and you know I had said i had, I used to run when I was younger, and I said, okay, you know I, I'll give it a try and then ever since then we've you know time that we're scheming up something, you know it's you know it's together, and you know it's been a great great friendship and he's, he's an excellent guy uh, yeah that's what I like about it though and that's what I like about doing this kind of stuff mm-hmm. is it's just like hey what about this have you heard of that have you seen that mm-hmm. you know and so then you're just like okay let's go and off you go
5: I, my trail friend is my, my, she's Angela. <laughs> she's here tonight. <laughs> but we met um, down at Kershaw Park in Canandaigua over a triathlon. Actually, I offered to loan her my wetsuit one time. We've, we've been friends ever since. We went through the whole triathlon fun together, and now we have had a lot of really super, super fun um, running adventures together. And, like, you know, ones that are epic, and then just, you know, any day of the week, we live close, so, you know, there's not a lot of people down, as many people down there, so we live close to each other, so we're able to, you know, any given day, try to make it happen, and go to Ontario County Park, or High Tour, Stid Hill, or... Up and down Bristol Mountain a thousand times or whatever. So, a
7: thousand
0: so.
6: times. <laughs> <laughs> her yeah. Her yeah. and her friend.
5: I won't be goaded. <laughs> yeah.
2: Well
6: maybe
5: we've yeah. shared a lot of good times. Yep. Very Lots of cool. talking.
2: So. I've made a lot of friends through through running here. I mean I think moving up I moved here mainly for my wife's job up here and so forth and so I didn't really know anybody when I got here and pretty much everybody I know now is um, either a friend of my wife's or someone I met through running um, and uh, so there are a bunch of people I could call out for for good trail friends and so forth but you know I think it probably isn't a surprise that I'll, I'll call out Mike um, and you know there's a few things that that fit together when we ran started running together and that we're pretty similar, uh, abilities and so forth. And we're both just looking for somebody to run with throughout the, one of the coldest winters in in Rochester memory and so forth. And he was the only one willing to get out there and, and do stupid runs with me. But I think what, what worked and what works is that mainly is that I don't know anyone else who's as willing to be as disorganized as I am about <laughs> running and approaching races. Like, I mean, just to tell a story, Mike paced and crewed me at uh, Laurel Highlands 70 mile race, point to point down in Pennsylvania. And we got there with one car. And, you know, he's going to jump in the race with me at mile 45 and run the rest of the way at mile 70. Well, we didn't have a plan for how he was going to... I mean, we're going to get to... Clearly he had to leave the car somewhere at mile 45. We're going to get to the finish line at mile 70 and what were we going to do? You know, we didn't... Didn't worry about it. What'll work itself out? And so, you know, Mike's... Was brilliant enough to, I think if I recall correctly, put a few beers in a plastic bag with some ice and give it to someone else who was crewing there. <laughs> friend who was going to be at the finish line and said, hey, can you bring these to the finish line for us? Uh, but other than that, we just had to get at the finish line and then be like, hey, anybody want to give two really sweaty, smelly guys a <laughs> ride back to mile 45? And I, we got someone, or Mike got someone a degree. I was too out of it to, to do anything helpful, but I think we probably made an enemy out of them because <laughs> they... <laughs> We, they got lost trying to get us to the car, and you know, ended up driving much further than they needed to in the rain and so forth. So, you know,
3: but that's the best part about trail running, people. <laughs> yeah. 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 they'll give
0: you a ride. Yeah. Okay. Um, anybody else got any friends? Anyone?
3: <laughs> <laughs>
7: I'm, I'm friends. So let me let me throw out something a little bit different. Um, because I tend, you know, like Sarah mentioned, she mentioned her dog. I tend to spend a lot of time running by myself, um, and I like to run by myself. But I found um, through trail running and running in general, a lot of people that really inspire me um, um, or will challenge me to do something different. So, running, when we first moved here almost 20 years ago, um, running road marathons and starting to, to train for that. And I met Tom Perry. And uh, Tom Perry and Rick Cronice said, hey, there's this little race in Mendon Ponds called a 50K, and all you got, all you have to do is run six extra miles in this loop, right? So that's how part of that started. Um, and then, you know, I, I remember uh, looking for something different to do in the winters. You know, running outside was, was fun, but I was like, what else to do? And Dave Seck said, hey, why don't you try running snowshoe? Because snowshoe racing is really cool. So I went out and I was in Vermont and met Bob Dean and got the you know the snowshoes. Then when I came back to do the first race, and Dave was on crutches after having fallen and busted his kneecap, um, you know. So he, and Mort, you know, Mort saying, "Hey, try this race out in, in Mendon Ponds," when most of it was going to be underwater and we got lost being at the back of the pack. But I find a lot of people that inspire me, even as a as a solo runner, to go try something different, get out of your comfort zone. Uh, go get injured you know (laughs) which is
0: you know it's great because i was going to ask you next question of those friends which ones of them have talked you into doing something stupid (laughs) so have you ever have you ever been out with that friend or a friend and you were like yeah what the heck and have you gotten into a situation where you kind of stopped and said huh wait a minute
7: okay let me tee one off <laughs> so i run with oven door on saturdays and uh chris Hoople and, and dan Kress, uh and i used to run a lot together and they talked me into uh hey you ought to try bull run um had, never had been on a, a trail 50 before so the first year it was like seven miles into it and got a really bad ankle sprain and uh I realized that was probably pretty dumb to do, being that far out. Um, but it was the kind of thing that said, "Well, you ought to go back so you can finish that." And that's actually next week. So I've been going back to that race after that, just to say, "Hey, it's not that dumb of a race after all." You know.
0: So you're going to Bull Run next week. <laughs> next week, yeah. Ooh. Ooh. Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> Hey more. Hey.
4: <laughs>
0: <laughs> they're all they're all kind of going like I'm not going to talk
4: about
5: that. I've never done anything stupid. No. Yeah. <laughs> <Ever. laughs> so
0: <laughs> All right, so I'm going to ask Sarah cuz mm-hmm. Sarah has drove across the country mm-hmm. in her car, in her truck, right?
4: Yeah.
0: Drove across the country in your truck. Um, y- nothing happened?
8: Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so, I learned very quickly, like, always fill up my tank with gas, no matter what. Like, if it's if I have three quarters of a tank, I'm going to top it off, you know, no matter where I am. Because um, I definitely had some scares, like, taking, you know, four-wheel drive roads only and saying, wait, I don't know if I'm going to make it, <laughs> you know? I guess I could run, you know, and get, hopefully get some help, but, um, you know... N- Yeah, I mean, like, I've done some, you know, with the dog, she typically scares away most things, like, she comes with me on these trips, so lucky that she, like, we haven't had any encounters with, like, grizzlies or, you know, the worst of it was a badger, two badgers in uh, Washington State a couple years ago, and that was a little, like, okay, this could be bad, you know, we're out on the Pacific Crest Trail quite a few miles out, and I certainly didn't want her to get, you know, injured, um... But, yeah, I mean, again, knock on wood. So far, (laughs) things have been pretty good.
6: I was in um, the first time I had gone out west, and this wasn't trail running, but it was hiking a game trail um, to go back and fish on the Henry's Fork. And um, we had hiked in on this game trail back from the ranch section back towards the canyon and it was really kind of the only way in unless you parked way down below and then hiked back up which is really squirrely so this was an easier way in but we found out um was i think it was like four days later after we had left that um within two days of us being there uh two guys that were out bat they were up there hunting elk uh with the with archery so they're hunting bow and um one of them got attacked by a grizzly Mm -hmm. um within like a quarter mile of where we were hiking the game trail to go fish and um they discovered that um i guess the the grizzly was on it it had taken a cow off the ranch and had it up and had it with its day bed and these guys were 80 yards away from where the bear was Mm -hmm. bedded down with its kill and that bear covered 80 yards to protect you know what it was uh, what it was munching on and uh they, they 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 both made it one of them had to throw himself in front of the, the bear once um you know he got an opportunity and he dropped his partner but but yeah it was you know three days later it's like we okay so we were just there and you know they were like oh there's no bears in the area you'd be good all that good stuff <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: they' was just fine yep so, Mark, share a goose story. with <laughs> us.
1: Uh, yeah, I've got a long list of stupid. Um,
4: <laughs>
1: uh, since my teammates are here, uh, at the top of the list, I'll talk about a winter adventure race in northern Vermont that I jumped into, I had no business jumping into. I raced with Rob and Tim, a 10-hour adventure race, mostly backcountry ski with a little post-hole um, snowshoe trolling traverse just across a gorge, a rope that took about, 20 seconds to complete, but the majority of the day on skis, and I don't ski.
4: <laughs> I thought I
1: could fake it, and uh, that was a big mistake. You know, 20 meters in this race, I'm down on the ice, everybody's going, and Rob and Tim are both pretty talented on skis, and, and I'm Tim waiting, and Rob. Eventually, I had to hold on to Rob to get to Tim to the next <laughs> trail that I and Tim at one point counted had teams, and we were 38th or 39th out of 40. So well back when we really thought we might be competitive, and I'm telling you, just leave me, bury me. You guys go <laughs> yes. on. This, it, was, it was a pretty sad, pathetic mess. When we got to take the skis off, we made up a lot of ground. We moved up to 12th um, when, when it came down to snowshoe and fitness. But beautiful setting, deep snow, wrecked my knees, um,
0: But now you got two new knees now, right?
1: They've both been cleaned up, yeah. (laughs) But they both needed surgery after this thing. And uh, but to to their credit, and again, uh, we thought we'd be competitive, but those guys were able to flip a switch, realize, okay, this is Mort's not going to be competitive, and they were very patient. (laughs) We got through it. Uh, It was more painful than 30 hour ar i did with these guys two years ago it um learned a lot but really again i thought i could fake it and that that pretty stupid
0: yeah but your friends let you join the race with them oh yeah (laughs) having never seen
1: you ski before yeah 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 we're a smart group
2: (laughs) (laughs) I i got a long list of stupid stories but um I think I caused most of them. I, you wanted ones that your friends got you no, into. Just but. <laughs> ones you got to get that you into with your friends. I took my... I went to college in Oregon, and I took my dad and my girlfriend at the time on a, a backpacking trip in October, kind of up in the edge of the Three Sisters wilderness. He kind of took a Forest Service road in from beyond where Mount Bachelor ski area was. And I'll take... A little bit of the stupid off, and then I, I went to the Forest Service ranger station beforehand and, and informed them of what we were doing to get the, the permit that we needed and where we'd be parking, and they didn't suggest that there was going to be any problem. There was a, like, two feet of snowstorm predicted for that weekend, and everybody knew that. I assume the forest rangers knew that too. What they didn't inform me and I didn't check on was that the road that we were parking on stopped being plowed about 10 miles before uh, where the parking area was. So by the time we got back, just assumed it was, since they didn't say anything about it. And when we got back to the car after our, started out as a backpacking trip, became a snowshoe backpacking trip, you know, we're pretty exhausted by the time we get back to the car, looking forward to driving out, find that the car is 10 miles up an unplowed uh, road with, you know, two feet of fresh snow. (laughs) <laughs> on it <laughs> and uh, so even if we hiked that 10 miles out we're still then at the top of the road up to Mount Bachelor, um, <laughs> miles and miles from Bend uh, the nicest nearest place probably with a motel or something for us so I I volunteered I think they sat in the car and kept it warm I volunteered as the, the person that had gotten us into this situation to to try to run out and get to the road at least. And I started, and turned out there were a lot of, uh, luckily for me, there were a lot of people out enjoying the first uh, snowmobile trip of the uh, of the year, of the season, and they <coughs> gave us all a ride out. Uh, I was told that my car was gonna stay there for the rest of the winter. <laughs> but we did manage to get it out. I mean, now the story will just go on, but it turned out that Someone with a snowcat was willing to to haul it out for a, a, like 150 bucks or something like that,
4: and uh, so I,
2: but I had to sit in the car and steer to keep it kind of going straight behind the snowcat. So there's some pretty sweet pictures of me steering my car up the snow, <laughs> waving to people, looking at me like, oh, look at that. <laughs> Yeah, I guess. we got his car stuck. So, <laughs> sir, you meet many rubes like Jamie up in the decks.
8: No, that's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> that's a good story. We
0: did uh we did a backpack. My buddy Dan plans all of our backpacking trips in the Adirondacks and once a year we do a winter hiking trip where we snow we'll park, snowshoe up a couple miles to a camp somewhere, do a day hike and come back down. Well, a couple of years we went to Hunter mountain a couple of years ago and he's like, Oh, it's great. It's, you know, they got about, you know, 14 inches of powder right now and it'll be cool. And so we went and the Valley that we were in just, I don't know, started getting pummeled with snow while we're in the middle of this hike. And we're like, I was like, Dan, did you not? He's like, yeah, they're supposed to get 14 inches. I said, wait a minute. No, you said they had 14 inches. <laughs> he's like, no, they're supposed to get. So by the time we're in the middle of this hike, um, the trail markers were at our ankles. So we're in snowshoes with the trail markers, and we just we had to dig a hole and, like, camp next to a giant rock and hope that we woke up in the morning and weren't buried by snow. Oh. That's what you get for trusting your friends. <laughs> All right, so um, next up, everybody wants to know about western states.
4: <laughs> oh,
0: <yeah>. So, <laughs> so... um Let's start with the uh, the rest of the panelists talking about their dream race, <laughs> we'll talk about Western states. Um, I did want to ask Sharon one thing. Wake up, Sharon.
5: I'm awake. <laughs> you said
0: you said these two words that I don't really hear go together very often. Use off road tries. Oh. So tell me about an off road try.
5: Well, you you don't you swim. Usually, oh, in, you swim off-road. <laughs> you swim off-road. And um, you mount, it's mountain biking and trail running, basically, mm-hmm. are the two other aspects of it. So, mm-hmm. yeah.
0: Oh, great. Great yep. story. <laughs>
5: <laughs> Did you want a story? I don't know. I just saw you wanted to know what it was.
0: Yeah. Just I just wanted to make sure we covered that because yeah. it's, in, it's in the notes. Uh, I, <laughs> <done. that's laughs> what what
4: I don't know what the
1: distances
5: know. that you've raised. Itself? Um, it's you know they don't have the epic distances like the on-road, but um, usually like a Olympic type distance. So 10k
4: run.
5: Yeah, 10k run. Uh, I can't remember the distances in Olympic anymore. I think- I've spent so many years, but but usually the mountain biking might be like 12, 13 miles, just because you know that's a long you know on a mountain bike doesn't you know, it's not much on a road bike. A mountain bike it takes a little longer, and then. The swimming is, what, mile, half mile, something like that. Do so they have like them out right here? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they have them around yeah.
9: here.
3: Yeah. I think, yeah. I think um, don't they have a, like, Xterra, don't they have, like, a half iron distance? It's, like, the biggest, pretty much the largest they get, mm-hmm. maybe.
5: Not that I've done, or, no, um, probably. Yeah. So that's yeah, what I was wondering, like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I haven't done <laughs> the Olympic distance <laughs> one, so.
0: Nice middle, right? Get yeah, yeah. get it done. You can get off the couch the next morning. Right? Uh, that's sort of my philosophy. The faster I go, the faster I get it done. So. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, they're fun though. So let's talk about uh, dream races. So then uh, you know we can we can all plan our schedules. <laughs> Joe, do you have a, a dream race? Dream race? Is it somewhere down around uh, Canandaigua Lake. <laughs>
7: um. You know, I guess there's so many I haven't done. I think more about, uh, like we were talking about Maine. Like going to run the hundred mile wilderness would be really cool. Yeah, um, that? you know, there's there's just different areas where I'd like to go run rather than go pick up another race. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just to right. uh, just to yeah. go through the hundred mile wilderness. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
5: Yeah. yeah. I've always I've want after living in Tahoe for you know a, a, a time. Back in you know another lifetime ago, I'd like to do the Tahoe Rim Trail race. It's kind of on my bucket list a bit. I'm um, kind of going back to my roots a little bit and doing a lot more um, hiking. So there's definitely some hiking goals that I have in mind. And so, um, but race is probably my dream. You know, race I'd really like to do is a Tahoe Rim Trail.
2: Oh, so. uh, there's too many. I don't know. Um. <coughs> I mean I'm trying to get into the Western States uh, by keeping a qualifier in the in the lottery every year and hopefully my odds will be in my favor. But you know that's partly just the history and the the prestige of the race. There's other races that I think just looking at the course and the and the the parts of the country and that might be higher on my list. And I don't know if I like the 100-mile distance as much as I hope to. Uh, the I'd like to go even further, and the the Fat Dog course is really, just looks like a dream. It's out in British Columbia, I spent a bunch of time in the Northwest, so that just looks beautiful.
6: I don't know about a, well I suppose the Bridger Ridge Run would be probably the race that I'd like to do, but I'd like to do Rim to Rim, that we went to, I got married this past summer, remarried this past summer, and we went to Grand Canyon and uh, Zion, and um, Mm -hmm. I'd that was my first time seeing the Grand Canyon, and it was took everything not to just go careening over and like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it was. Uh, I'd love to go back and and figure that out just to just to do it not as a race. Just. To, you know. I'd do it again. I'll do the hundred mile with you too,
3: because that's. Why. Do it all. <laughs> <laughs> I all. I would say though that mine would be Ludville, hundred, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, because so. it's always had a little bit of mystique to me, you know. But then outside of that, it's just I, I'm kind of moving over towards not focusing on races and just doing adventure runs, mm-hmm,
4: exactly. which is like
3: I want to do the presidential range this year, I'm hoping, mm-hmm. out and back, which Mort has done. Um, and then, you know, I want to do the 100-mile wilderness.
0: Matt, one of, uh, one of my friends talks about, like, um, the backwoods brush hunting out west and being, being fit enough in order to cover enough ground to get far enough away from everybody, is that a thing that you often like think about?
6: It is. I I want to get out west with my dad uh, to elk hunt at some point in the next couple of years. He's always like, "If we don't get out soon, you're gonna ha- I'm gonna have to ride a horse and all this, and we're not supposed to ride horses. We go. We're gonna hike in. So he's he's like, "I'm not gonna be able to do this much longer. So you gotta you gotta plan it, and make it happen. So." Yeah, there's there's a there's a level of, you know, the fitness with with running and what have you, that, yeah, that always plays a little bit of a role in you know, in the, in the back of my mind.
0: Right, so Sarah, you got this. You got this little race. There's there's somebody like Jamie who's running a hundred miler every year just to <laughs> just to get a ticket to get a chance.
8: And how you did know? you get it? So I got in. Um, Jolbo was one of my sponsors, um, nice and they spot, get a spot. spot yeah. yeah, and so I was offered the slot this year, which was I was floored. Um, and of course, yeah, of course I'm going to do it. You know, it is. It's a it's a bucket list race for everybody. Well, maybe not everybody, but certainly for me. Um, I wouldn't say it's my like dream race by any means, but I was offered the opportunity and I'm going to seize it. Um, I mean, Hard Rock is up there for sure. That's definitely, like, the next...
0: Good job. Because yeah. I was going to ask, I was going to say, yeah. you're, you're a sky racer in yeah. western states. is a, Yeah, a
8: yeah definitely. <laughs> it's definitely not... Um, you know, I've been running... So this winter I've been running all road, basically, because we have so much... We actually have quite a bit of snow this year up in the Adirondacks, which is good. So I've been doing a lot of skiing, but... Um, yeah, so I've been trying to transition into more of a, you know, that kind of a running. <laughs> dirt road running, I guess. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I am so excited. I, I'm more excited, so I'm doing this two-month tour to get there, um, which I'll be running in um, Jackson Hole for a little bit, and then I'll do the Zion Traverse, which I'm super excited for that, and I hopefully we'll do a Rim-to-Rim-to-Rim as well, um, and then a Mount Whitney fkt attempt i think so i have a lot of other like (laughs) really cool stuff that um it's all like i said you know like the western states is like this event along the way but it's not like i'm not going to build it up because that's just way too much pressure to like (laughs) have this humongous finale to this two-month trip and have something go wrong or have you know you know not be able to finish it or you know you know who knows but um yeah, I mean, I'm I'm incredibly excited for it.
0: But so your your two month trip to just to be clear, you're going to be driving your truck yes. across the country again. Yes. Yeah. On the way to a hundred mile race.
8: Correct.
4: That yeah. that
0: some people wait a lifetime to get into, <laughs> and yeah. and along the way you're going to have like four other things that people try to do once in their life.
8: Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I look at these things as like. God, I don't know what's gonna to happen tomorrow, so I might as well just yep. might as well, you know. Um yep. Yep. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I think I think that's kind of a key, right? Like yeah. just say say yes. Do do the thing yeah. and, and say yes.
2: Did these other things come before Western States or is Western
0: States? Before, yeah. Okay.
8: Yeah. Yeah. That's training.
0: That. That's training. Yeah,
8: <laughs> and it is, you know, yeah. it's all right. um it's all part of the journey, you know, to get there. It's all yeah, yeah it's just just what I love to do. So
7: do you worry about <laughs> if you've got these big races or these big distances before that? Do you worry about getting injured?
8: Oh yeah. In those before um, you get to so there's one of the things I'll be doing in Jackson Hole is possibly a ski. Uh, it's not my project, so I don't want to get into it too much. But crewing another member of the Sportiva team who's going to be doing a ski attempt. And so for me, I'm kind of like hey, I'm going to feel it out. You know, mm. I'll see how it goes. I would love to crew and pace her, but I don't know if it'll happen you know but I do I do think about that um and I think about like mountain biking for me I love but I don't do it that often during race season because it's like I don't want to get hurt (laughs) um yeah and you know backcountry skiing I think you know I do that a lot too and same like I don't it that's also part of that balance of trying to you know do the things you love but also progress in the thing I love the most I guess (laughs)
3: Does anybody else have
0: any any thoughts on Western states? <laughs>
3: well, I'm, just, I'm just gonna say, I'm gonna. You said you're an RN. I'm gonna yeah. go back and become an RN. <laughs> yes, I, yeah, I
8: would do work as a nurse. Yeah, fantastic. Um, uh, it's a yeah, a good career choice for running. Actually, yeah. I have quite a few friends that I've met that are in the medical field in general, though that run. Um, and it can provide
3: that. If you're not, yeah, if you're not noticing, that's called the envy. <laughs> I will I will defend her, though. She has four jobs, okay?
8: Four
0: jobs. She works at a brew pub. She works at a shoe store. Yeah. She's an RN. And she's got a rep. Yeah, I mean, yeah she has a little tech rep.
8: That's, that's
0: hard. And she's got to train for a 100-mile race. Yep. Yeah. So...
3: still envy it
2: a couple of a couple of those jobs actually increased my envy (laughs) (laughs) mostly the fruit (laughs) pump (laughs) 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 that's what i I was going for
0: (laughs) she's got to travel the country selling beer and uh repping outdoor equipment
8: exactly yeah um you know and i was saying this to maggie earlier like uh the change for me, having that variability is really important. I think it like, and also having always a goal in the future, no matter like what job it's in or whatever's going on. Like I always have to have something to work forward to and look at. Um, I mean, I think probably all of us probably feel that way, Mm -hmm. right? Like even if it's not a race, it's just a life event maybe. Um, but, right, so all these different jobs, like, my, I don't even know what day today, what's today? <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> I just kind of, like, look at the calendar and plug in events when I can, and um, keeping them all different makes them all fresh. You know, I don't get sick of any one thing, which I think is really important, too. But. <laughs> Did you want
0: to take some questions from folks? Yeah, I've been made aware that
1: the audience does have some questions. Yeah,
2: good. we got time. We do have time. Bring them on.
1: Right, right Hi, Greg Brooks Hi, Greg. from Arundaquai, uh, and uh, I have a question about 100 milers, and um, my first ultra trail race was Old Dominion, huh? and uh, I made a friend on that, on that adventure was a horse,
4: <laughs> <laughs> and my question is, are there other, has, has Old Dominion
1: continued to be a horse and human event? I mean that was a that was a hundred miler that, that crossed the rivers yeah. and went up mm-hmm. through the mountains and 24-hour race and uh, uh, that was kind of neat. It really was special. But I made friends with with Jenks, a horse, and I didn't know at the time
3: that there were ultra horses. Yeah. Hey, Greg, how uh, many ultras have you done, by the way? Mostly, Do you, I don't know. And I, and I and marathons. I'm not a counter. I, I know. Mm-hmm. Well, if you I've guys been, don't know, Greg, right, the answer is an uh, uh, insane. I'm, in not, a, I'm <laughs> not a Norm Frank
1: or a Don McNally. Yeah. Uh-huh. But uh, um, Don and Norm were, were both my mentors. Yeah. I can
2: take a guess at that question. I, I, the only horse and foot race that I know of, 100-mile or any more, is, is Vermont. Okay. Um, Old Dominion, and maybe you know more, but it's had kind of a on-and-off-again history. Uh, it's one of the older ones, but and it's going on again now. But I think it took a little break it's for a little while. It's not
4: a river
1: crossing anymore, like it like it was. I don't know I if it.
2: they've changed the course or yeah, what. You know, sure. I think it's bridge. I think. Yeah. I don't know. I've... They had like a for a little while. Like I think someone. Started a compa- competing race so that there was like the yeah. old Dominion and then there was the old Dominion Memorial 100 on like back to back weekends. Oh, yeah. And then I don't know, so yeah, it was a great experience, yeah. it
1: really. Was, was it's actually
2: still around, but it's one of the smaller ones yeah. out there right now.
4: Thank
3: you. Anyone else?
2: So, Mitch, what'd you think of Frozen Nut? <laughs>
3: uh, it was something else. Uh, so I went, uh I actually uh, made a huge error um, on that. Um. <laughs> on the foot. I told you I had to wear those shoes. Well, it was a, sh- a, shoe, a shoe decision. Uh, I blame it on Rob um, because I, he, he posted these shoes on Facebook. He's like Nomad TRs. I'm like, huh, oh, that sound interesting. I'll pick those up. So I get to the start of the, the race, and I'm looking at people's shoes. I had, you know, Mort had sold me a pair of Las Sportivas. Those are really what I should have been wearing. Mm-hmm. But I spent, <laughs> you know, so over the first nine miles, there's 6,000 feet of elevation gain out of, you know, the 13-mile um, race. And um, I spent most of the time on my rear end um, because, uh, you know, I'd get up. You know, to the top of one of the, the climbs, and then I just come down. And so I I came to the top with, you know, there was um, myself, uh, Matt Lipsy was t- too far ahead, and then another guy, Adam Russell, and we came to the top. And then you know we started downhill, and they you know they just you know they were gone. There's no way I was keeping up. But what did I think of the course? It's intense. Where um, is, it's pretty neat. Where and when is it? This is in uh, Lac. Lock Haven, Haven. Haven. and that's where the mega transect course, which is now the boulder beast, beast is there now.
2: Assuming it's a winter run
3: or something? It is. It's in January. um, And so, you know, you start out, it's really cold, naturally. And so, you know, you're running, and you're running on the road at first in the trail, and then you hit the, the boulders. And, you know, there's no snow, but by the time you get to the top, there's quite a bit of snow. Mm-hmm. And so when there's river crossings, there's no way around it. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no way around the river crossings. It's a pretty neat race. Yeah, great race. Mm-hmm. I loved it. Cool. Olga.
9: Oh, yeah. um, I know most of you older runners, plus I know we have a big community, and there's some of the uh, race organizers here. So I just want to plant the seed and say, see... Um, if you read statistics, men versus women, how many men run, how many women run for the road races, women, are, I think average national, 57% women versus 43% men. When we talk about ultra running, the most you get, about 25% women most of the time, although women have a big, the better uh, finishing rate versus men. So I just want to point it out there. As a community, or as a race organizers, or just as a human beings who love this, what could we do to encourage more women to try ultra-running, trail-running?
3: they got to meet you. <laughs> <laughs> like the most impressive trail, uh, long-distance trail runner around. Yeah, so everybody knows, that's a national champion right, right. there. No, but still, you
8: know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I think, um, like, this summer I'm going to be taking over a program for, like, 12 to 14-year-old girls in Saranac Lake actually at Dewey. It's called Go Girls. Um, and an Olympic biathlete used to run the program, um, but she's in Germany for the summer, so she can't do it. Um, and I think it's, so it's reaching out to those kids in a certain age, you know, um, which is difficult. I don't know what the answer is. Um, you know, I was talking to the, about this to somebody else, that, and especially in a small rural town like Saranac Lake, kids can go one of two ways pretty easily, you know. Um, and I don't know when or where it happens that they maybe decide to go into sports or, you know, something else, but I think that's probably where you can start, you know. Um.
10: Chris, I think I have somewhat of an answer for that. And I think as a community... What we have here is, is a little bit special compared to some other areas where what we do here and what we've been really focused on is saying, you can. Mm-hmm. And we're, we're always saying to people here, when's the next thing? And sometimes that might feel intimidating, mm-hmm. but to have a community that can encourage people and to so at this point specifically if we can encourage women, um, as a race director, I've had so many people, I can't run many on the, g-. yes, you yeah. can, yeah, you can, that's, that's and we'll question. be there like when, when I talk finish. to women on the trail
9: rounds, that's right. what everybody's yeah. saying. Oh,
10: but that's no. our responsibility as a community, and that's our responsibility as race directors to say, you can, and we'll help you get there. And I think that we have that here, but I think people need to hear it more, and I think, uh, I think, honestly, women need to hear that more, because we've lived in a society that has said no for a long time. And we don't have to say that, we can say yes because it's exciting to see it happen. Mm-hmm. So that's on us. Yeah.
5: So when you uh, go out west, do you ever worry about elevation, the difference, um, just because you're, you gain about 3,000 feet
8: easily and then you have to run from that point? So do you? how do you prepare for that, or do you? Um, for me, I uh, like, When I, I think it's a little bit of luck. (laughs) Sometimes I find I will go out and I race. Like I've heard people say, there's a couple schools of thought. Like you out and you race like the next day. Like you don't give yourself any time. You just go and race, Um, or you give yourself like two weeks. You know. Um, And I've had good and bad luck. I've gone out and. Race the next day and didn't feel any difference. And who knows, maybe it was like the month prior, as well hydrated and nutrition was on point the whole time, or something. And I just never even thought about it. And I've also gone out there and had races where the first two miles we gained, yeah, like 3,000 feet, and I can't feel my arms, <laughs> you know. Like, so you, I have read and have tried using like a sauna to go out and prepare, like especially at using it in the evening. So you do your morning run and then use a sauna in the evening. It's supposed to help prepare you for elevation in some ways. Um, The stress, I guess, on your body, but I don't know if it really worked. Maybe it was all in my head, but, (laughs) and that's part of it. Mental, you know, we didn't really touch on that in racing and the mental side of things, but yeah, I think it definitely has a huge part.
2: I have a small sample size of good experiences at altitude and a lot of bad ones Um, on trips there and the only difference i think that, that my good experience was that i was just in better shape and i think that's a big equalizer just get as fit as you possibly can and then they'll take out some of the difference but you know obviously you can still have a bad day i think
4: mm-hmm.
2: <coughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Pretty. Yeah. i think uh ultra-running has kind of come to
3: the mainstream a lot more in recent years, and, and it's interesting that you get to know some of these runners and these professional athletes that are out there. I was just curious,
2: who out there are people who
3: inspire you, or do you you, know, you look to as, as role models in this sport, and in this uh, community?
0: Another mention of Mike
4: Weldon.
3: <laughs> <you're talking> <laughs> <laughs> um, well, for me, it's one I already mentioned, which is Adam Russell. You know, he's a guy that I met a number of years ago at a race in PA. He was like the Pennsylvania Trail Run Series champ. And, you know, uh, I was running mega, and uh, he was the first-place finisher. I was the second-place finisher. And I got to talking with him on the trail, and he's telling me that, you know, he's got something like six kids. He's a he's a farmer, and he's going up and down m- mountains with buckets of syrup, you know. He's, mm-hmm. he's like a maple syrup farmer. I don't know what they call them, but that's what they call me. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, Big word and, but Soft-spoken, you know, uh, and just, you know, salt-of-the-earth type guy. Mm-hmm. And he just really inspires me that he's just is out there working hard and mm-hmm. raising his kids and running the mountains, you know. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's kind of mythical or something to me. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
6: for me, I can't point to anyone specifically, but i i am inspired by the community here and i know that pretty much anywhere like <clears throat> if i go run you do you run into people there's a dedication and a commitment and i think that there's a this is a very strong community and i that's that to me is inspiring and it it's um i don't know it it's it's heartening to know that when you they're they're will be camaraderie if you go to an event or if you're just out on your own you know there people are very supportive and um that's that's important you know for somebody that doesn't necessarily travel a lot to go to big races and things like that um to know that see that it is possible and you know people are behind it
5: yeah this is an incredibly inspiring community and that's what inspires me to see these sort of everyday people who are kind of like me or whatever and they're going out and doing these pretty epic things and you say well maybe maybe i can do that too and that's inspiring and that's motivating and that kind of gets you
2: you know you can do that
5: you can do that yeah
2: was it a question about like elite people or people in the was it local or, or anything it could be I I guess the people that I I look up to a lot in terms of the people who are out there at the elite level, not just friends or something like that, are people who've managed in the ultra running since so I'm focused kind of on the ultra running community, is like the people who've managed to have some sort of sustained success, there's so many people who've burned out after two or three years. They've run at such a high level and, and run themselves into the ground that at first they're totally inspiring, but once you realize what have kind of done them so that's not really a role model for me i don't and then i also you know as i've i want to be able to last a while and keep getting better um i don't know i can come up with a few i think like someone like jeff browning is not the flashiest ultra running in, in the year in the world but he's been getting it done for decades and he's a family guy and he's still getting older and still just getting better and it's like pretty amazing to me
8: um, yeah, I agree. I think, so David Roach is my coach. Um, and so him and his wife are both very incredible runners, but they also have full-time job. Well, she's in med school and he has a full-time job as an environmental lawyer and they get up at like, you know, two forty five in the morning to go running. So when I'm like, right, setting the alarm for 4am I'm like, okay, Megan's already out there. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, she's been up for three hours already. Um, yeah, that that I find that inspiring, you know. The but I find, and they're right. They're like these people way up here, um, but the people that are doing it just because they want to do it and get up at three a.m. are even more inspiring, you know. It's
5: it can be anybody. Um, yeah. When I think locally too, of when I first started trail running in this community, there were two women who are just. They're just a little. They're a little bit old, older. Like maybe about ten. I don't want to age them or anything, but they're a little bit older than me. And I would see them every trail race, and they are pretty epic runners, and have done really cool things. One of them did the Tahoe Rim Trails, and everyone probably knows the names of Jean Herrick and Karen Kreider. And I just always found them those two women so inspiring they just said okay you know they just really they were out there doing it and they're a little bit older than me and I just found them when I first moved back here to be two really incredibly inspiring women so, yeah. and they still are they're still, yeah. <laughs> they're still pretty yeah. incredible women
0: <laughs> um, so I have one last question we did say 8 o'clock um, if I could impose Matt could you tell us a fish story you gotta have a fish story. <laughs>
6: All right, I got a fish story. Yeah, of course right. you have a fish story. Um, so I uh, went to uh, Cancun this. It was a year ago, um, this spring, and my parents. They have a a timeshare down there that they got when I was in high school, and this past spring was the first time I'd ever had the opportunity to go to it, just because of life and military and everything else. So, um, so my um fiance at the time now wife she and i went down and my dad had said before we left i wasn't planning on bringing any fishing gear and he says you got to bring down your fly rod they're catching fish off the beach out in front of the place all right all right so i packed a fly rod and um wound up it was huge surf out front and i was you know horribly outgunned and there was nothing i was going to be able to do to cast a fly rod out into you know strong wind and everything else so i wound up picking my way across the highway around a hedgerow and i snuck onto the golf course you know across uh, across the highway and um they had these great you know lagoons out back and i happened to find that there was a ton of tarpon in there and as a matter of fact there was tarpon upwards of 80 90 pounds and i got um i caught a couple of juveniles the first day second day i snuck on and i caught um six that were over 80 pounds and i didn't actually Uh land them but i put them in the air so so you know with tarpon there's if you if you actually touch a fish with like your fly and they jump that's called putting them in the air and that for you know most fly fishermen is like all right fantastic if you can get them to the boat even better but you know it's called a pro release they usually come off and then they're they're gone but if you can get them in the air it's awesome if you can get them in the air and it's like in area this big it's even better so uh the next day i went out and now i'm really pushing my luck because you're not supposed to fish there i'm totally sneaking around the back and everything and (laughs) um and but this particular day now you know my dad had warned me about crocodiles and what have you and and, and i saw because the tide was out a little bit and i saw big belly marks coming around the mangroves where you know the croc had come through i mean it's a trough that's this wide and there's big you know on either side going through and and I didn't, I didn't see him or anything like that. But I saw a sign, so I went back to the spot that I had all the tarpon, you know, in the air. And I catch a small one, just maybe fifteen, twenty pounds. Catch a small one, oh, it's fantastic! Take a little picture, put them back. Five seconds later, Whoop. eyes and smoke <laughs> pop up from me to you, and you know, I'm standing in flip flops and shorts <laughs> on the shore. <shoulder. laughs> And there's, you know, there's people that are golfing there, you know, foursomes coming by and stuff like that. And so I wind up, I walk to a different spot and I'm like, I've never seen a crocodile in real life. Why am I walking away? This is too cool. It's like National Geographic. <laughs> <laughs> I
4: go back and, uh,
6: and I walk back and he ducks down, goes underwater and it's all green and murky. And he ma- makes his way off and he comes up by the mangroves about uh, maybe 40, 50 feet away. I'm like, all right, well, he's far enough away now. It's not like he's just going to leap from there and I'm in some imminent danger. So I went back to fishing, and I cast my fly about 20 feet away from him. He rose. I thought he was like a four- or five-foot croc, right? I'm no judge of croc length. just based on eye to snout, (laughs) distance, and all that. So he, all of a sudden, my fly hit the water, and he surfaced full body, Nine foot long,
4: mm-hmm.
6: and I did one of these, and it was like one little swish of the tail, and he put his nose right on the fly, and oh, then he like went getting them in the air, and he, he he chomped down on the fly, and it took me three seconds to realize what the hell happened. I was like, he's got my fly, so I strip I strip line in, and I come tight against him, and now I was like, well hell. and i get the line back on the reel and everything and now i'm standing there and it's this standoff i've got a nine foot log this prehistoric nine foot log that's just floating there on the surface like what the hell's going on and yeah you know just constant pressure like this and the log just sort of drifts, faces me and i'm like What am I gonna do if I actually have to, like, I gotta bust this off or something? So I was like, well, screw it, I'm just gonna fight him for a little while. Eight minutes, I had a nine foot crocodile. He (laughs) went to the bottom, he did the death roll, all this crazy stuff. And then he wound up spitting, The, the fly just came undone shot over my shoulder and landed on the tee box behind me and i reeled it in i was like all right i'm done for the day, I'm going back for the day. and uh, the ranger came around and wound up busting me as i was walking out and he says no fishing allowed can you give me a ride back,
4: ride back so.
6: yeah so that's that's the craziest fish story i got wow
1: anybody else any other questions it's not an awful way to end this (laughs) (laughs) uh wow that was a great evening Uh, i've got a lot of thank yous um one announcement though is that if you'd like to chat with sarah a little bit more she's agreed to lead a sunrise run tomorrow morning sunrise or not
8: Cool. Yeah, probably um, in the rain.
1: But. Yeah. <laughs> 6 a.m., Ellison Park at the Dog Park will run for an hour-ish or so. Going to find a diner afterwards for some calories. If that fits in your schedules at all, please join us. She also has some demo shoes, some Sportiva demo shoes.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, limited sizes, of course, uh, to try out if you're interested. But 6 a.m., we'll be down there at Ellison. Uh, but many thanks to you guys for coming out tonight. Many thanks to everybody here on my panel. Awesome stories. And Chris O'Brien. Nah. <laughs> These
4: guys.
1: Thanks for leading us. Thank you, guys.